Welcome to Thrivecast, a community podcast series where we are meeting with uh, growth leaders and monetization leaders around the world. Uh, with me, I have Achintya Gupta today, and our today's topic is Modern GTM for Developer-Focused Companies. Achintya, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Guru. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Uh, happy to host you, Achintya. You know, you have been a business manager. You have run uh, GTMs for various companies. You also founded a previous company, which is a startup. Uh, you know, it looks like you raised a lot of capital called Philo. And now you are on the journey to go build a completely new startup for, uh, you know, for developer-based GTM, you know, for Rio.dev. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little about yourself uh, and uh, and then maybe, you know, uh, maybe segue into why did you start building Rio.dev and what was the motivation behind it? Sure. So, um I have only worked in startups across my career and uh, like, and I started with the marketing side of things, but moved into the sales and the business side of things. So if I have to summarize my career in one line, I have mostly launched new products in the market and then seen them find a product mm -hmm. market and seen them scale. And then that I have done across FinTech. And in that fintech, I started with insurance and then moved to the lending side of things and then understood that, okay, you know, lending is going to be all about data and all about data pipes. I uh, was interested to start uh, in building something on my own and worked in a developer tool company called Philo. Uh, that was essentially about uh, building data pipes for creators and uh, influencers data. And that is where uh looking at the developer motion and i started realizing that hey you know developer SaaS is going to grow really big they're going to be i started understanding some of these challenges which i faced firsthand at philo where all my developer intent signals were really important for me for understanding okay what are the organizations that are interested uh in us but it was all scattered all anonymous and that is where i thought that is this problem needs to be solved uh, and yeah, that's what we are doing at Rio.dev. Rio.dev is a growth stack for developer-focused companies. Essentially, for these companies, the true intent signals lies in developer activities around their ecosystem. But the challenge is these activities are looking at the basic nature of how developers try out things are very hidden. Like, for example, who forked your GitHub repository, who executed your NPM command, or who is deeply studying your technical documentation. So these are some very different intent signals that world has seen, you know, earlier, like who read a topic or who visited your website, that, that's what used to be earlier. So looking at this, this is what we do. We look at uh, de-anonymizing all these intent signals and then helping our customers understand these are the companies and these are developers who are interested and then give them a platform, give them patterns to actually take this intent to the last mile and convert them to customers. A developer-focused GTM seems very complex. I mean, uh, typically, um, maybe, you know, in 2016, 2017, probably the movement started with AWS uh, selling to developers. Uh, and now there's a plethora of tools, you know, all the way from databases to, you know, code scanning and so many, many things. In fact, it's a very thriving business. What led you to start thinking that this is a large market that you should solve. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, and what's so different about selling to developers or GTMing to developers? Yeah, uh, great, great question, Guru. So uh, there are a couple of trends which are fairly macroeconomic. 
in nature. And that came from firsthand experience. The first one was that the problem is real and it is big. Like when I, so if you look at um, 10 years back, there were not so many developer SaaS or developer infra companies. But if you look today, uh, many of these organizations, or if you see some of the new startups, uh, a lot of focus is on developer infra and developer SaaS side. In fact, what was like the SaaS of the last decade mm-hmm. is what is like, uh, you know, the developer infra uh, for this decade. So really, there are a lot of organizations. And why there are so many organizations, perhaps it is because the demand for software is much more than the supply of developers or sort of how new technologies are coming up. Actually, the reasons are many, but yes, the problem is real that there are so many companies and hence so many marketers and business folks who are looking at solving this problem of getting revenue out of a developer motion. And uh, when I realized this problem firsthand, I realized that, hey, you know, uh, there is a good, it's a good problem to solve. And that's why, uh, you know, this is what we are doing at Rio.dev. And and then one other macro trend that I wanted to discuss since you asked that, you know, what's so different about is because, you know, once you go deep, you realize that developer GTM is actually unique. And what is so unique about it is like, if you look at 10 years back, even the number, when the number of these companies was small, uh, the GTM still was top down. It was to a business buyer and it was very marketing or sales tech. What has changed the last 10 years is the developer has become really powerful in an organization. And suddenly in the developer focused companies, there are two personas who are responsible for purchase decision. There is a user who is a developer who's, uh, who is essentially looking at building things before they buy. And then there is a buyer, an economic buyer. And, they, and then this buyer is very, very influenced by the developers. So it's a very different kind of emotion which needs to be solved with data. And yeah, that is what excites us at Rio.dev. Yeah, I can relate to that. We're also building a you know SaaS product, which is targeted to developers. So I can understand. In fact, uh, some of my previous experiences in the past companies where I was also the buyer and I had a team of, you know, a large team of you know global developers. And I saw mm-hmm. this in action. You know, there's a company called JetBrains. Uh, my team actually came up to me and said, hey, they need a tool, uh, you know, to manage Go development, you know, Go language development. Uh, to to debug it, to you know, to code, to set breakpoints, to ship it, you know, and integrate with AWS. And they looked at various tools, unbeknownst to me, they did not talk to me about that. But you know, one fine day, I got uh, a notice that uh, about forty developers from my team are interested to acquire, you know, licenses for JetBrains. Right. And uh, you know, so that led me to say, you know, I had no idea about that. Uh, and, you know, and they actually made a proposal to me that, hey, this is, uh, you know, this is how you can go buy. And then I looked at, you know, I became the buyer and I was starting to look at how do I go acquire it? You know, is there a procurement process around it? There was no sales team. I had to go online to them and then mm-hmm. put the number of, you know, developer licenses that I acquire. And they gave me, uh, uh, you know, for one developer, it was 5% discounted. For 40, it was about 8 or 10% discounted. Uh, so they yeah. already had tiering within that, and my team was already using a free plan, right? So they already had a free plan. They had deployed it, and they were getting stuck uh, at some premium plans where they were not able to go debug or, or deploy more to AWS. 
uh, that's where the escalation came in. So I can I can totally relate to what you're saying about this. Uh, but maybe could you tell a little about, you know, the typical playbook that you'd advise uh, some startups to think about GTM to developer? I know JetBrains is probably in the business for quite some time. Right. Uh, but what's a playbook that you could advise? Right. So um, perhaps so the first thing that we advise to developer-focused companies is they really need to understand the developer GTM motion because it is fundamentally very different and they are working with a different persona like a developer whom they probably might not have interacted for long. Like most of the marketers are coming from the other side, mm -hmm. like marketed SaaS, but they might not have marketed developers. So uh, the first thing is understanding uh, the whole developer GTM. And once you look at it, as you were saying, actually, it was a great example, Guru, because um, you clearly demonstrated that there are two personas who have very different motivations. One is like the developer, right? And their motivation is actually not to purchase. Their motivation at that point of time, even your case was to solve their challenge. Like they were building an engine and they wanted, they were searching for the right nuts and bolts or the fuel for that engine, right? And and for them, the motivation is, can the uh, can their problem be solved by this tool? And they are looking at it essentially like building things before they buy, right? And uh, that, that's the other case where you as a buyer, right, which is the next persona are looking at sort of economic scalability, business case, right? How will this uh, technology partner scale with our organization and so many other things, right? So one is that um, that understanding that it's a very different motion with uh, very different motivations of um, the two personas. The other is that the, the, uh, the GTM motion essentially has to be hybrid. That means you have a strong bottom-up motion to activate the developers, which is a lot about education because in most of the cases, as we discussed, these are guys are not looking at uh, the purchase, but sort of, you know, finding a solution to their problem. And at the other end, the GTM for a business buyer has to be, or ideally should be top-down. So once you understand, and that's uh, one thing, right? Once you understand the developer GTM motion, a lot of things actually become easier to understand. A lot of playbooks if uh, look or become easy to understand. And essentially, if you look at some of the popular playbooks, they revolve around two or three things, right? The first is you, of course, create a very strong developer experience ecosystem around your product. That means you measure things like how easy it is for a developer to reach like a hello world or the time to first wow or how easy it is for them to engage some other person on their team, right? So um, the um, that becomes a very important thing. The second is once you have that corrected, the next set of playbooks are around how do you activate more developers into this experience? And that comes around creating great content, great documentation, great guide, community, support ecosystem around it that okay, if somebody's active uh, interested then how do you take them to a win in their a uh, buy before uh, sorry build before you buy and the third playbook and which is actually the missing link but the most important and one you will see most of the successful developer tool companies following is once you have this great bottom up motion of developers how do you mine this data of developer activities and interest to understand that okay these are the organizations who are interested 
and most importantly this is the right time to get in and uh, and many organizations look at you know confluent you look at hashicorp like i mean they have cracked this really really well and once you do that this essentially provide start providing you the entire pipeline to close your uh, gtm motion so yeah that's how we are seeing the space evolving and feel it is really really interesting so what you're seeing is you know um, i'm just going into my head i'm trying to kind of break down what you just said uh, what changed is that marketing has changed right instead of they selling it to the top down uh, you know buyer they are selling it to the users they are selling use cases to the end user right in this case who is a developer uh, which is a very different you know change altogether you're also saying in that uh, the product needs to be become extremely easy for the developers to go experience uh, the first wow effect or the first aha moment yeah right uh, so the product engineering has changed quite a bit uh, you also mentioned about you know logging of uh, logging of usage data could be telemetry data I mean, are you talking about the anonymous uh, you know user uh, data collection that microsoft and other tools would like even if you download terraform template now you ask you for um you know do you want to send uh, your usage data anonymously is that what you're talking about the telemetry data or is that something else so it can be across right so when we work with some of these organizations we see that they are interested in understanding uh developer activity across channels um we have seen mm-hmm. that few in fact you know three out of four might not be so open today to exposing telemetry data mm-hmm. but they are still open or interested in knowing who are the developers who are doing activities on their github repositories who are the ones who are studying their documentation so it's like a, there is a journey in their head that somebody comes on their github repo mm-hmm. so the community moves on to talk moves on to the cloud product and can they build a journey around it yes many of them as you correctly mentioned are look at telemetry data also and uh, so the idea is that wherever there is a developer intent signal the organizations under the constraints of the privacy guideline of course should be able to understand the developers and the organizations behind it look at patterns from there for example in this organization 10 developers are trying me out so there is a internal virality probably it's the right time to get it and probably mm-hmm. one more thing which probably you missed uh, guru but wanted to add here is um, understanding the motivations behind these two personas which most of the marketers miss uh, so the most common word around developer marketing is hey you know developers don't want to buy or they don't want to take my sales calls or they have ad blockers of course because if you understand their motivation they are not looking at buying or majority of them they might be wearing a buyer's hat at certain point of time but in majority of the cases they are looking at solving their problem so hence uh the playbooks have gone around solving their problem which is more educational and activation related rather than ah okay related yeah so uh, the marketing essentially changes quite a bit meaning instead of the having just a page about talking about features they are they are talking more about use cases how they can use it how they can solve the problem that's that's very interesting right. uh but i think you also mentioned a lot about you know the data telemetry that you know that uh, that's still ringing in my head i mean that's very mm-hmm. interesting that you know today in in, in today's world uh, if you are a saas builder and you have an open source tool that is on github uh, you know uh, 
you could actually measure the GitHub users and the collaborators and all of them. That's a signal by itself. Yes. Right. Which, you know, I was, you know, I'm kind, kind of going bonkers in my head. So that's an right. intense signal by itself. Uh, yeah. You also mentioned, you know, um, if they hang out in, let's say, support channels, or if they hang out in, uh, let's say, Stack Overflow, you know, and ask various questions, is that a signal like Reddit and, you know, uh, Stack Overflow, those those also become intense signals for your product? Or is, is yeah, that be right absolutely. to say? So uh, you will see developer interest signals across multiple channels. Like, for example, for a lot of our customers, we see developer intent signals across four or five different channels. It can be their own community, their open communities like a Stack Overflow, mm -hmm. and be their documentation. We see very, very strong intent signals of documentation. We see almost a journey across, you know, in July, two developers looking at their docs. In uh, August, seven are doing it. And then these are the pages they are seeing, this is the amount of time they're spending, these are the interactions they're doing on a code level. A lot of it, and since you spoke about open source product, is about package manager installations, right? So developers will, if you're they're mm -hmm. building, so if they're serious about a product, they will interact with you on a code level, right? That's a very strong intent signal in itself, right? And yes, they will be trying out your cloud product. So what we realize is that you can't just look at one channel. Uh, because if you look at how developers evaluate product, it depends a lot about their persona and how they like to look at it. But you are creating an org picture uh, that how is this organization interested in you? And hence, you'll have to look at a lot more uh, channels altogether. Yeah, to, to maybe wrap, uh, wrap this whole concept in your head, could you maybe share some successful companies who have done you know, something like this in a, in a very good way for a very long time? I know you right. talked about HashiCorp. Could you maybe tell a story about how did they start? You know, um, what was the success uh, scenarios? Did they hire differently? Did they build differently? Did they market differently? Maybe if you could share some stories around it, that would be great. Sure. So um, the most successful developer-focused GTM motions we have seen actually have worked across the gambit of the playbooks. For example, they have cracked mm -hmm. the product correctly and given the right kind of a tooling and an ecosystem to the developers to actually try it out. Like for example, if you see HashCorp's open source motion, right? I mean, it's it's massive, right? And when we talk to a lot of open source organizations, we learned that uh, today, 90 to 95% of their customers are the ones who were the users of their open source product. And from there, they matured. Uh, some of these matured organizations like Elastic invest a lot in mining the open source data. So they have teams, they have people, and they spend resources into actually looking at this and telling their teams that, okay, this is where an opportunity lies. So, uh, so their GTM motions are acting like um, mini uh, data mining and analysis teams to actually look at this motion. And then yes, there's a very, very strong developer activation around it, both organic and then pushed by the organization. So uh, you they they focus a lot on communities, right? So they are actually, it's, it's a very balanced approach that we have seen, right? But it's focused towards understanding this persona, uh, finding uh, their motivations, and then really sort of, you know, taking and empowering the developers, looking at the mm -hmm. data, 
understanding which are the organizations interested in them and then going to the buyers that's very interesting you know i think you you mentioned uh, maybe a few times now about the differences between buyers versus users mm -hmm. uh, how does a startup who's building a developer focused uh, product uh, how do they differentiate this are, are there any tools out there in the market uh, which can help you differentiate between hey these are the users of your product and these are the potential buyers you know i'm i'm guessing the buyers are essentially the at the account level um, maybe the vp of you know or you know vp of engineering or ctos uh, right. Could you maybe share some examples of identifying users very differently than buyers and the tools and technologies around it? Uh, and then how do you go do this account-based marketing at a later point in time? Sure. So actually, that's a million-dollar question. And yes, once you understand that there are two personas, that's <laughs> the next thing you want to do, right? You want to understand. And because one of the mm -hmm. biggest mistakes uh, developer-focused organizations make, because they are not able to differentiate between these two personas is, sending the wrong messaging to the wrong persona, right? Uh, so you are sending a sales message to um, a user or a developer, and then you're sending an educational message to a buyer, right? Because you're not able to differentiate. So it's a million dollar question. A uh, couple of ways how it it, it it is solved, right? And of course, that is where organized tools like us come into play. But what you see is the first way is, of course, to understand it on a channel level. If you understand the activities, you can understand, okay, this is a developer activity versus this is a buyer activity on the channel. So like, for example, um, you, uh, so when we study the developer motion on our customers' product usage data, we can clearly understand that, okay, looking at the depth in which somebody is going, is this a developer or this is a user versus this is a buyer. Or if we look at sort of the pages or how deep they're, they're studying docs. So one thing is that you can understand it from the, uh, activities and the patterns of activities. Second, of course, you can understand from a profile level, if you can get it, if you can reach, understand, say from a GitHub mm -hmm. that, okay, this is this person in this organization then from an, or who has signed up on your cloud or form, etc. That's the second way you understand it. Uh, uh, some of the tools around there, of course, is like we have seen many organizations using reverse IP tooling on their docs, on their cloud product to understand, okay, these are the organizations who are active in the ecosystem. The third actually is cross-pollination and which we have seen is a great way of understanding um, intent, uh, which is when you start seeing activities from various channels, but sort of, you know, merging towards each other. So you will see that, okay. Um, so like, it's typically said, right, you know, organizations who are open source measure their GitHub stars, but now in the last one years, it is being often criticized, right? You know, have what what does having 20k GitHub stars mean, right? Um, and there are a lot of things things flying around that how GitHub stars can be purchased. What very intent, interesting intensical we have started seeing is that developers who are really interested in a project, not just GitHub star one, but at the same period of time are... Mm -hmm starring or looking and watching competitive or complementary repositories, right? So they're active, not just on a repo, but mm -hmm. they're active on the ecosystem, right? And then we start seeing cross-pollination that, okay, somebody's doing that. And then somebody is now over a period of time started looking into docs and then starting studying cloud products. So when you start doing that, you understand, okay, you know, this is an organization where the users are ready, uh, building something interesting, and now is a great time reach out to the buyers which you do by designation or 
authority in the organization. I'm, I'm guessing maybe that's what your product is, right? It takes individual signals from GitHub, from documentation, from various places, combines them into a score and maybe allows the SaaS builder who's, a, who's building the developer-focused GTM to be able to go score the potentiality of who can probably buy you know, my product and then you know, reach out to them. Now, would that be would that be right to assume that's what uh, your product does? Maybe if you can give a quick spiel about your product. Sure, sure, Guru. So, yes, you are absolutely right. What we do is we use AI to very intelligently de-anonymize these intent signals under an account and tell you that, okay, these are the orgs who are really interested in you. These are the developers who are really interested. And then looking at the pattern, we tell you that these are the opportunities. These are the ones who are really hot and then give you a platform to take to the last mile. Got it. Super. Uh, I know we are out of time, but maybe a, a quick closing note. Do you see, have you seen any big fails uh, in this particular space? Meaning somebody has tried something and they've either not achieved their primary goal or they have completely fallen flat, even publicly, you know, about doing something wrong. Uh, do you know if, and anyone who's uh, done a bad job, you know, at a developer-focused GTM? I think, I think most of the good projects, if you get the product right, somehow the community handles you, right? It's a startup, right? Blunders often happen. But probably the two most common mistakes that we see today is A, treating developer GR not taking into consideration the end buyer, right? Or these massive mistakes. These are two silos. There is a DevRel team thinking that, okay, we'll target developers. And there is a marketing and sales team that's looking at sort of something else and they're not talking to each other, right? I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes you can see uh, where you're not using an existing GTM motion to now uh, use it for sales and marketing. Yeah, that's super. Um, you know, again, thank you, Achintya, for your time. You know, really a pleasure to host you here. Uh, I mean, I, I especially learned quite a bit of things around the developer focus GTM. Uh, and to all our listeners, if you've enjoyed our dis- today's discussion, please do, you know, leave a comment uh, on your podcast platform. We will have it on various aggregators. Uh, Your feedback makes a big difference. Uh, And stay tuned for more insights. And if you have any guests that we should be talking to, uh, always refer it back to us. Until next time, keep thriving. Awesome. Thank you.